everyone who is joining. My name is Akira. I am a dietitian that focuses on anxiety and mental health. And today we're going to be talking about all things PCOS. I wanted to bring a PCOS dietitian on here whose content I love and absolutely trust in because she posts amazing content and <laughs> advice about PCOS. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce her. I'm going to read the bio I have for her. So this is Courtney Miners. She is a dietitian. She also has her master's as well. And she has been practicing for over 13 years, originally from Bermuda, which is what we were just talking about. She completed her master's of science degree in dietetics and nutrition at Florida International University. At the 2010 British Dietetics Association annual conference, she presented her original research and was later published in the International Scientific Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics. Courtney has been living with PCOS for almost two decades and understands firsthand how powerful nutrition and lifestyle changes can be to managing PCOS. Courtney's primary mission and passion is to ensure women feel supported, heard, and can fast track their path to PCOS healing. Having studied and worked, in, worked internationally in Bermuda, Brazil, Canada, and United States, she brings her international exposure to her PCOS practice. She understands that no patient is the same as she, as she uses a holistic and individualized approach tailored to the needs, culture, and lifestyle of her patients. So that is Courtney Miners, everyone. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so now, now we are going to get started. I posted some of the questions that I said I would ask you in regards to PCOS. And I guess if any followers have any questions, as long as you're able to answer it, like um, totally. if it's an appropriate question to answer, then you can go ahead and answer that as well. Um, but the first question that a lot of people don't understand is what exactly is PCOS? Because a lot of times people just get diagnosed with PCOS and then they're told, oh, just go on birth control and come back when you want to get pregnant. So if you yeah. can explain what PCOS totally. is. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, it is a very, very common condition. So I really want to make that known that up to about 20% of people in their reproductive age um, who are menstruating have PCOS, right? So you probably have a friend who has PCOS, you probably have a sister or a cousin who has PCOS, right? It is extremely common. Um, and polycystic ovary syndrome, it is common and it's quite debilitating, right? There's a lot of symptoms that come along with PCOS that might kind of drive you to go to the doctor and say, something's wrong, something's up. And it is the number one cause of infertility. So a lot of the times people are, they come off birth control, they're trying to get pregnant, um, nothing's happening, right? So then they go to their doctor, they find out they have this diagnosis. Um, but some of those common symptoms, that let's say you're not thinking about family planning, you might be struggling with irregular periods, you might be struggling with severe acne, you might be struggling with facial hair, hair on the chest, hair on the body, on the back, even that male pattern type uh, hair loss, right? Where we're losing hair at the crown, sometimes along the sides here, extreme fatigue, sometimes digestive issues as well, like bloating, diarrhea, constipation. But those are some of the most common symptoms that you might go to your doctor and just say, hey, something's wrong. I haven't had my period in months. And from there, the doctor will do a workup. So how do you actually get diagnosed with PCOS? Um, the doctors and providers use what's called the Rotterdam criteria. The Rotterdam criteria, it's comprised of three criteria, and you have to meet at least two of the three in order to have 
the diagnosis, right? So those three criteria are one, irregular cycles. And irregular cycles, that means that your cycles are longer than 35 days or shorter than 21. So sometimes you're bleeding longer than seven days or maybe your cycle comes every three to four months, right? Um, but if that's one of the criteria for PCOS. Another is what we call hyperandrogenism. So what's hyperandrogenism? That's the presence of androgens and elevated androgens in the body. So androgens are what we call like those male sex hormones, right? But I say it in quotes because women have uh, those same hormones like testosterone. Um, but when we have too much of those androgens, that's where it can present alongside PCOS. And sometimes those symptoms, you might have like severe acne, you might have the facial hair, the hair loss that goes along with high testosterone. So either irregular cycles, you have the presence of high androgens or some of those symptoms. And then lastly, you might have the presence of uh, what we call cysts on your ovaries. And I say the term cysts lightly because they're not actual cysts. Um, they're basically immature follicles. So follicles that haven't developed into mature eggs because we're not ovulating, right? So, and that can only be seen with a vaginal ultrasound. So the doctor does your workup. Um, as long as you have at least two of the three, that's where they can make that diagnosis. Um, so not everybody presents the same. There are people who struggle also with like unexplained weight gain, difficulty losing weight. That's another common symptom of PCOS. There are some people who have no issues with their skin, but they struggle with facial hair. There are some people who have regular cycles, but they have high androgens and they still have cysts on their ovaries. So there's many different like presentations as to what PCOS looks like. And there's no kind of like one size fits all when it comes to it. Yeah, I've noticed PCOS it's so crazy how everyone like I could be in a room with at least 10 girls and I would say that at least five of them would have it and we would all have different symptoms so it's like at least for me when I went to a doctor I didn't know that I had PCOS uterine fibroids runs in my family so I thought I had fibroids because yeah. last year there was one month where I got my period twice and when I got it the second time out of nowhere in the same month, it was a really bad period. I was throwing up and it was just really bad. Yeah. I went to the doctor thinking that I had fibroids and they're like, oh, you have PCOS. And I was like, what? Because like, that doesn't even run in my family. Yeah, yeah like because I've always had a regular period. Like, my periods come exactly every 21 days mm -hmm. on like the clock. Like literally, the only thing I will say is that I've dealt with acne my whole entire life. Like since mm -hmm. I, the minute I hit puberty, I've had acne. So it's been over like, 15, 15, oh my gosh, I think over 10 years of me dealing with acne. And then when I got to college, it became more cystic acne. And I would always have acne like on my cheeks and on my jawline. Yes. And not cystic really on my forehead, but more so on my cheeks and my jawline, which I know is more of hormonal acne. Yeah. So when they did the test, the ultrasound showed that my ovaries had the string of pearls, mm -hmm. which is, I never had ovarian cysts, thank God, but I had the appearance. Right of it yeah. um, and I also had high testosterone mm -hmm. which I wasn't surprised because I've, I've always been kind of chronically stressed out which is why I focus on anxiety um, yeah and then I also uh, I know that PCOS doesn't run in my family either mm -hmm. so I thought it was very strange that I ended up with PCOS mm -hmm. but then I saw a post about how PCOS can come from trauma um, growing up mm -hmm. and being in like a very stress-induced environment, 
-hmm. we're living in a state of um, fear constantly. So um, do you have any opinions on that? Because that's something that I just recently saw. Because for some people, it can be genetic, and then for others. Yeah, yeah. And to be quite honest, when it comes to PCOS, what is the cause? That's the big question. How did we get it? What happened? There's a lot of unknown, right? There's a lot of hypotheses, but there's a lot of unknown. We don't actually know. We don't have the research to say this is what caused it. But we can hypothesize that, yes, those stress-induced environments, and even as young as in utero, right? So like while you're in your mother's womb, stress um, that she might have experienced or stress in the form of like endocrine disruptors that she might have experienced could have impacted um, what happened to you down the road and getting the PCOS. Um, and a lot of the times I find people will tell me, oh, but nobody in my family has PCOS. And then they start asking questions as they learn more about the diagnosis. And it's like, oh, my auntie, she struggled with maybe infertility or she noticed, you know what I mean? So it may not yeah. be mother or sister, but there's more than likely someone in the family who, who has it because it is that genetic component. But you're right, there are stressful environments that can, um, that are related to PCOS as well as like environmental factors that we're finding may lead to PCOS too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's also interesting because a lot of people don't realize that like, even if it doesn't run in your family per se, that if you had a mother that was stressed out while she was pregnant with you, that that could have, that stress could have passed on to you and could have caused PCOS and like generational trauma. They're probably right. dealing with like living in like a crazy household or yeah. toxic relatives and stuff like yeah. that and always constantly living in that fight or fight mode, that stress, um, stressful environment. So exactly. yeah, exactly. it's really, it's really important to know that. And I also wanted to ask you, so what are the four different types of PCOS? Because some yeah. people are unsure of yeah. that. Yeah, so there's like different types out there um, on the internet. You might, might have heard of like post-pill, adrenal, things like that. But there's actually, when we look at the diagnosis, there's more phenotypes is what we call them. Okay. Phenotype A, B, C, and D. Um, and all those are our classifications as to what of those like Rotterdam criteria you fall into. So um, what we call like the PCOS trifecta is if you present with the uh, string of curls or the cysts on your ovaries, you have irregular cycles and you have high androgens. So when I was diagnosed, I had all three, right? I had all of those and the doctor was able to easily diagnose me. But there are some people who have, like you said, you've got your regular cycles but you have the high androgens and the presence of the cysts. So that would be a second phenotype. And basically depending on which one you have and which combination, that's how we break it down. And while okay. there's different phenotypes, what I would say is like really important and what's impactful for the patient or the person living with PCOS is understanding what's driving your unique symptoms. So like we said earlier, everyone's PCOS looks different. Everyone has different symptoms, different combinations of symptoms. So understanding more so what's driving your symptoms is where you're really gonna unlock the healing, right? And we know there's kind of three main drivers of those symptoms or those kind of root drivers. The first one being insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is very common with PCOS. So up to 20% of people we know have PCOS, who are in their menstruating years, right? 
And then when it comes to insulin resistance, about 70 to 95% of people living with PCOS have insulin resistance. Oh, wow. Right? I didn't even know that. Yes. So that is one of the most common drivers of symptoms for PCOS. So if you have insulin resistance, you might struggle with what's called like acanthosis nigricans or like that darkened kind of skin patches around the nape of the neck or skin folds. You might notice some skin tags on your body. Um, also extreme fatigue. So you wake up, you're exhausted. You want to nap in the middle of the afternoon. Um, you have crazy cravings. Yeah. So I know I struggle with it. <laughs> You like eat a meal and then five minutes later you're like oh, i'm still yeah. hungry <laughs> right like that's common with insulin resistance and even uh weight gain yeah. that's common with uh, insulin resistance and difficulty losing weight as well as irregular periods fall into that um driver as well so we've got insulin resistance we also have inflammation yeah inflammation we know that most people with PCOS, we have this kind of low-grade chronic inflammation happening, um, more so than the person without PCOS. And because of that inflammation, right, it can drive a lot of symptoms like severe acne, a lot of digestive issues. So, for example, diarrhea, constipation, sometimes reflux, bloating. Um, so those are some of those common symptoms that you might experience if inflammation is driving your your uh, symptoms sometimes feeling wired and tired um, at night and quite exhausted as well and then lastly we've got hormonal imbalances that can be driving symptoms so again we talked about high testosterone being a driver sometimes high DHEAS sometimes high prolactin right and because of that it can lead to irregular cycles sometimes longer periods um, uh, and also sometimes mood swings people notice, severe fatigue um, can fall into that category as well, acne, um, all of it. So, you know, those are the three main drivers. So I would say instead of like focusing on types in order to really unlock the healing, understanding what's driving your symptoms and then really diverting your energy that way. Yeah. I think that actually makes a lot more sense. Um, Cause I saw, I see some other PCOS dietitians post about how there's like the inflammatory type, the, th the thyroid type, mm -hmm. and then two other types. But how you explain it makes a lot more sense because at least with me, I have insulin resistance. Yeah. And I thought it was so random because for those who do, who do not know, your A1C is basically a lab value that shows your blood sugar over the course of three mm -hmm. months. And for your A1C to categorize as being pre-diabetic, it has to be 5.7, right? And above 5.7 to 6.4. And then 6.5 and up is diabetes. Mm -hmm. So my A1C was at 5.6, which is one point away from being pre-diabetic. Yeah. But I've never, I mean, I've always liked sweets, but I never ate that much to the point where I would be yeah. almost pre-diabetic. So when I saw that, I was so confused. I was like, whoa. But then this was also before I realized that I had PCOS. Um, and yeah. at the same time, this was during my master's and internship program, mm -hmm. I gained like 20 pounds out of nowhere. And I was never able to get it off till this day. So I, when, I, when I realized I had PCOS, I put all the dots together. I was like, okay, I've had the acne for years. I randomly just gained 20 pounds out of nowhere. My A1C is 5.6. I can't lose this weight. Yeah. And I also have really crazy um, sugar cravings as well. Yeah. So it, it makes sense when it all ties together. Mm -hmm. And um, I just think it's like, it's so interesting. So yeah. with that being said, um, I know we did talk about some of the criteria for having PCOS. But what are some of the labs or tests that you recommend people ask their doctors for? Yeah, 
when being seen for PCOS. So once you kind of get the diagnosis, how do you monitor it? How do you know how you're doing, right? So when you go to see your physician, it's important that you advocate for yourself. Um, a lot of the times, and like you mentioned, you get diagnosed, they just say, okay, here's metformin, here's some birth control, just come back when you wanna get pregnant. That's what I was told 20 years ago and even till this day, as you were just diagnosed, you were told yeah. the same thing. So it's really important that you advocate for yourself and you understand what blood work that you actually need to monitor um, and work with someone who understands you, who listens to you, right? Because that is the most important part. You're living with the condition, you need the support. So we definitely wanna make sure we're checking our hormones. So things like FSH, which is follicle stimulating hormone, uh, LH, which is luteinizing hormone, both of those can be impacted by an ovulation or if we're not ovulating. So we definitely wanna look at those as well as your estrogen or estradiol. And those we should be testing on day three of the cycle, right? So your cycle starts the first day you bleed, day one, one, two, three is when we should be testing the LH, FSH, and estradiol. We also wanna keep an eye out for your progesterone levels. Progesterone, when as that rises, that tell us um, that you're actually ovulating, right? So we wanna keep an eye on progesterone levels. We also wanna look at your androgens. So things like testosterone, things like free testosterone, DHEAS, prolactin. And these are the ones that drive like the facial hair, the acne. So we wanna keep an eye on those. Um, and then we wanna look at your blood sugars. So we mentioned the A1C, very important to monitor. Also a fasting insulin. I would say most physicians don't check this. Yeah, they don't, I yeah. I have to ask for it when I go for my yearly checkup and they're more than likely willing to do it. But your fasting insulin is gonna show you whether you're more insulin sensitive or insulin resistant. Um, so that's an important one to get checked as well as a chemistry panel, right? Where we're gonna be looking at your blood sugars, kidney function, as well as liver function, because it's important to note that having PCOS increases our risk for fatty liver. Yes. So we wanna keep an eye on those liver enzymes. PCOS increases our risk for diabetes. So that's why we wanna keep an eye on the insulin levels, A1C, and that fasting blood sugar. Also, it increases our risk for heart disease. So we wanna make sure to keep an eye on our inflammatory markers, things like CRP, as well as our lipid panel, right? Which that's your total cholesterol, things like triglycerides, HDL, LDL, all of those. So those are just a few. Um, I know it sounds like a lot, <laughs> but you know, most physicians will do most of these on a regular basis. I would say definitely ones to advocate for would be a fasting insulin level, yeah. Okay, yeah, because I also, I forgot, I, with my lipid panel, my, my cholesterol was not, like, above how it's supposed to be, but it was, all, it was pretty high, like, my triglycerides or something like that, Yeah. and I eat so much healthy fats, like, I take an omega-3, mm -hmm. I eat, like, fish on a daily, not a daily, but, like, on a weekly basis, like, um, fatty fish, uh -huh. I consume a lot of seeds, I was just, like, I don't understand, but then once I realized that PCOS can cause, um, the high triglycerides, high cholesterol, but oh, that makes a lot of right. sense. Um, and someone asked, um, mm -hmm. Black Brown Little asks, can you randomly get PCOS? So I wouldn't say you randomly get it, um, like you'll wake up one day, like not have symptoms and then have the nest. It's definitely something that is building over time. 
And once you find out you have it, you'll probably connect some dots to years ago. So like for me, I was diagnosed in my early 20s. But just like you, Dakara, in my teens, I always struggled with acne. Like, so, and I was even put on birth control to help treat the acne as a teen, right? So looking back, and there's definitely some signs that you probably struggled with PCOS longer than you more than likely knew, so. Yeah, that's really true. And then I also wanted to ask you, so when it comes to PCOS, a lot of us get told to um, either come back when we're ready to get pregnant or to go on birth control. Yeah. So for PCOS, um, medication-wise versus the natural route, can you explain some of the medications that the doctors may try to give to you? And then if you can also offer um, some natural alternatives to those medications. Totally, totally. So I would say the most common that were offered when we're diagnosed would be birth control as well as metformin. Um, birth control, if you have not had a period for a very long time, um, I know I went almost a year without a period. Um, sometimes it's best to induce that bleed because obviously if we're not bleeding regularly, and we have obviously an increase in that uterine lining that increases our risk for endometrial uterine cancers, right? So oh, okay. it's not, and again, that's something else that we're at higher risk for with PCOS. So it's not good to go these long months without it. And sometimes that's where medication can be helpful because it can help induce that bleed. Now with me, when I was on birth control, I didn't like the side effects. I felt depressed. It made my acne worse. I just, I didn't feel right. And that was initially why I came off birth control. My period never came back and that's how I was diagnosed. So when the doctor was like, okay, you can go back on birth control. I was like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> I came off of it for a reason, right? Yeah. So, um, and then with the metformin, uh, metformin is a common drug. It's been around for quite a long time and it's primarily used to treat type two diabetes. Okay, so remember we talked about insulin resistance being a primary driver for PCOS. So metformin can actually help uh, regulate blood sugars, improve insulin resistance, and it's also cardioprotective, meaning it helps to support heart health as well. So that's a common drug that's used. So does it mean that you have to take these? It's important that you work with your provider to see what's the best fit for you, right? So everyone's path to healing will look different. That can include medication. It can include the natural route. It can include a combination of the two, but it's more so what you're comfortable doing and what's most appropriate to not do any harm at that point. So when we talk about like the natural route, there's different, what I call like pillars of healing when it comes to PCOS. Nutrition is a huge one. Exercise actually helps support PCOS. Um, avoiding and minimizing endocrine disruptors, right, or those toxins and chemicals. Stress management, which is obviously a lot of what you do, right? Um, your sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so all of those are really important as well as supplements for PCOS management. And those would be kind of like the natural routes that we would take um, to go towards PCOS management. Now, the first thing I would start with and the one that I think is the most impactful for all those different drivers, impactful for insulin resistance, inflammation, and hormonal imbalance is nutrition. Yeah. So nutrition yeah. can hit all of those can target all of those no matter what 
is impacting um, and causing your symptoms. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people um, kind of, what's the word, um, I guess undervalue or don't realize how much of an importance nutrition has, especially in regulating these types of conditions, because all these conditions can um, flare up if you have a, a nutrient um, deficiencies or if you're not consuming a certain amount of um, things. So I know a lot of people for PCOS take, um, or they're interested in taking like inositol or berberine. Yes. Um, if, yeah. you, if you have any um, knowledge on that, you can explain the difference and what they do for PCOS. Sure, sure. And I just want to say black, brown, little, she said, I agree, eating healthy is beneficial. Yes, 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 we love that. <laughs> Additions, we love hearing that. Um, <laughs> so for supplements, um, so berberine. So berberine is a plant and similarly to metformin, right? It does help with blood sugar regulation. It can help improve insulin resistance. It can lower cholesterol levels. Um, and it's more of obviously a natural option in comparison with like a prescription drug. So it is beneficial for that. Inositol, however, I would say is one of the most studied when it comes to PCOS. So for things like safety, efficacy, we have a lot more robust uh, studies to show its benefit for PCOS. Um, and inositols can help lower testosterone, lower androgens, regulate cycles. Um, they can help induce ovulation, improve egg quality. And inositols are even safe to take while pregnant and can lower risk of gestational diabetes, as well as while breastfeeding, right? So obviously talk to your doctor and healthcare provider to see if that's appropriate for you. Um, but inositol has been found in the studies to be just as effective as metformin yeah. for PCOS, right? So if your doctor says, oh, here's the metformin, you can ask the question, well, what about inositol? Is that something that I can take. And there's plenty of research studies. So if you go onto PubMed and just type inositol PCOS, many, many studies over decades about it. And it was a supplement that I used 15 plus years ago to help regulate my cycles because I saw the research at that time. Um, so those two are very popular. I would say inositol is definitely one of the more studied, safer um, to use. And I would say that's definitely one to consider when you're diagnosed, um, because it hits, again, all of those drivers. Yeah. yeah. So before I answer, um, we'll mm -hmm. say a lot black, black, brown, little's question. Yeah. Um, I know that with inositol, a lot of doctors do not know what it is, but when I brought it up to my GYN, she had no idea what I was talking right. about. So as Courtney mentioned, it may be beneficial to go to pubmed.com mm -hmm. and look up the studies on it and print it on, bring it to your doctor in case they try to dismiss you or tell you that oh that's like fake or it's, it's not, like yeah. it's not real yet because a lot of doctors will, will try to tell you that and it's not true they just mm -hmm. don't know about it and that's not all doctors there's only some doctors yeah and um when it comes to berberine mm -hmm. um is it true that you can only take berberine for a certain amount of time ideally yes you want to take it okay. for about three months give your body a break it does and it can impact your gut microbiome. So it's not something you wanna take for long periods of time. Whereas the inositol, it is safe, like I said, to take for long periods of time through uh, pregnancy, breastfeeding. So that's definitely one that I would start with. And inositol, it's a vitamin, right? It's vitamin B. Yeah. So um, it's definitely 
something that's naturally in our bodies. And the reason why it's so good is because what they found in the research is that people with PCOS have lower levels of the inositols, the D-chiro, the myositol in our ovaries. So by supplementing, it helps to support and uh, regulate those insulin receptors. It improves insulin resistance, regulate cycles, all of that. So yeah, and someone asks, where can you get inositol? Well, there's so many different brands out there. Um, I personally, I like Ovazitol because it has that 40 to one ratio of yeah. my to D-chironazitol. Um, and that's through Theralogix. Yeah. So. yeah, that's a good brand. And that's what most people use. They, yeah. I think they have powders and pills or do they have just the powders? Just the powder. And, okay. and I will say as dietitians, we're all about safety. Yeah. There's a supplements on the market supplements are not a regulated industry yeah. right so you can do more harm if you're just ordering off of amazon and just kind of grabbing anything right so the good thing about ovazitol that brand it is nsf certified which is a special certification to ensure safety quality and purity which you know that's your body you want to make sure that what you're putting it in is not worsening things like your liver enzymes and things like that no, it's not FDA approved, as Callie Ash said. Supplements are not FDA approved. Um, but a lot of companies now are paying third parties to come in and blind test their products, paying for these additional approvals. NSF is one of those um, good approvals to look for. Yeah, guys, because um, as she mentioned, supplements are not regulated. So a lot of these supplements, um, Companies, there can be a lot of grimy companies that don't really care about your health and they can just be putting anything in supplements like rice powder and yeah. filling it up with gelatin and other things like and that. Not, so you always want to make sure. Yeah, like the therapeutic dose of what you're yeah. putting. So yeah, yeah, that yeah. too. So you also want to make sure that your supplements are third-party tested. Um, and also if, it's, um, if it says propi proprietary, <laughs> right? Proprietary yep. blend, you want to be careful because that means that each ingredient that's in that blend is not really measured out. It's just a blend. Right. So you can be getting very little doses of something that it says that it's supposed to give you, right. but um, it could not be necessarily. Like back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then mm -hmm. Black Brown Little, she mm -hmm. asked, is Garden of Life multivitamins good? I mean, I've used Garden of Life. I use their probiotics. I've never used a multivitamin, so yeah, and Garden, I'm not sure. Garden of Life is marketed more as like a plant-based brand. Um, so if you're vegan, they have vegan options. Um, but when it comes to supplements, always talk with your physician, talk with your healthcare provider. Um, obviously, we don't know your history, your blood work, things like that. So always check with your provider. And obviously, we're both dietitians, and that's where our expertise lies. So I'm sure like you do when we work with clients, we're looking at their medical history, medications, right? Because supplements can interact with medications yeah. to increase their effectiveness or decrease, right? So you, you definitely want to make sure you're talking with a healthcare professional before just kind of buying these things. Yeah. And then she also says she takes Clear Stem skincare. I used to take that actually. Um, I don't know if you heard of that brand. It's like an acne brand. Mm -hmm. And I used to take that supplement that has the turmeric and the dim fat and dandelion root and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's completely up to what your body tolerates. And like she said, always talk with your doctor mm -hmm. about anything that you're taking, making sure that your supplements are third party tested. And then, or the dietitian you're working with, right? Yes, or the dietitian <laughs> that you're working with. Yes, that too.
Yeah. Um, and then you answer the question about where you can purchase inositol. Mm-hmm. And then Kylie Ash says she gets hers from Amazon and got some from Walmart yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, what's Burberry? It's called Berberine. It's spelled B-E-R-B-E-R-I-N-E. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a supplement. And then when it comes to people, I know you can't answer this for everyone, but yeah. just general knowledge on whether you can mix, like, like let's say you're on metformin, can you take inositol with metformin? And if you're on berberine, can you take that with the cholesterol medication? Yes, so you can take metformin and inositol. You are getting similar benefit from both, right? But yes, you can. Again, always talk with your physician. Same with the berberine. Um, And like any medication, any supplement, you know, I wouldn't just take all your prescription meds and all your supplements together. It's really important that you separate them, talk with your, also your pharmacist to make sure there's no interactions going on. But there are studies looking at the combination of inositol and metformin and the benefit of it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good to know. And then for black brown leaves, she's also asking, is vitamin B12 good? B12. Yeah. So one thing I will say with PCOS, if you've been on birth control for some time, that does cause a lot of nutrient deficiencies. B12 can induce insulin resistance, um, things like that. Oftentimes we have low vitamin D as well, uh, low folate levels, magnesium, zinc, right? So it's important to get all of these vitamin levels checked. Um, So one thing with B12 and with any vitamin level, make sure you get your blood work checked before you're actually taking supplements, right? And especially for things like vitamin D, vitamin D not only is a vitamin, it's a hormone as well, right? So you don't yeah. wanna play around with those doses um, because you can get it in toxic levels, right? So always have your vitamin levels checked and then your doses of vitamins can be adjusted based on what's happening in your body. But it is extremely common to have low B12, low vitamin D, I would say 100% of the clients I work with have vitamin D levels that are below normal limits. So it's very common, but you should always have your levels checked. Yeah, and also chronic use of metformin can also deplete your B vitamins as well. So definitely always, yeah, yeah, definitely always check your levels before just buying a whole bunch of vitamins, which can also waste your money if you're just like, buying all of them like yeah and even even, um, uh, ppis so proton pump inhibitors a lot of those like like acid reflux type medications can cause b12 deficiency right so yeah just where you're getting your levels checked yeah yeah and she also asks what do you think of turmeric so turmeric is great in food form right so turmeric is actually a root right? It looks similar in my, I think, to ginger. Yeah, um, so it does, yeah. Like, but it's bright yellow once you get through the skin. Um, and turmeric is a very powerful anti-inflammatory spice, right? So it helps to lower that inflammation. Remember we said at the beginning, one of the root drivers for PCOS is inflammation. inflammation so, yeah. yeah, so turmeric can help reduce inflammation, can help support that. There's even been studies to show that turmeric can help induce ovulation, as can ginger, right? Oh, okay. So if you make that into your cooking, anytime I make a stir fry, turmeric and ginger, boom, boom, I'm throwing it in. Why? Because I get so much benefit from it, from it and it tastes really good, Yeah. right? So definitely get into the habit of using spices 
they are so powerful for PCOS because they're jam-packed with antioxidants, jam-packed with nutrients, and you get so much potent power from using them. Yeah. So like for me personally, also to answer her question, mm -hmm. I noticed that when I started taking curcumin, my mm -hmm. acne completely stopped. Like I stopped mm -hmm. breaking out. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time like in my life where I literally stopped breaking mm -hmm. out. Um, but I, I still have hyperpigmentation, but I stopped taking curcumin supplements about a month or two ago and I started breaking out a lot again. Yeah. So I started, I, I wanted to switch over to putting it in my food and in my tea to save money because yeah. they're really expensive supplements, especially yeah. the third party tested ones. Mm -hmm. So I was putting it in my tea every single morning, but I was still breaking out. Mm -hmm. But so I decided to buy a supplement again. <laughs> and yeah. when I did, I, I, my breakouts had been decreasing again. So I think everyone is different in how they can, like, tolerate and how their body like absorbs it and uses it so yeah. i think it just depends like maybe one person can, can benefit from putting it in their yeah. food as often as possible other people actually may need that supplement so i think um turmeric definitely helped me to calm down my cystic acne mm -hmm. that was like the main thing that helped me a lot so uh, turmeric is very very good for inflammation and acne yeah and like i said it can regulate your cycles as well there's a lot of yeah that too yeah that so i didn't have know yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and then would this be recorded and uploaded? I hope it's going to be recorded. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. This is, it, it, it's recorded, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. 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 Uploaded after. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone asked if you can pin the product. Um, I don't think we can pin the product, but. Um, put it in the comments of the, um, the when we upload the recording yeah okay no yeah okay so that works mm -hmm. and then yes a lot of indian food has a lot of turmeric mm -hmm. tea yeah awesome yes tea is really good yeah. <laughs> um yes yeah, so green tea also has some benefits for pcos um if you wanted to talk a little bit about that courtney sorry sorry i missed that oh yeah it it's like breaking up a little bit. Um, yeah. Callie Ash says green tea and peppermint tea has helped her. Um, so if you can explain a little as to why green tea helps with PCOS. Yeah, yeah. So green tea is a very powerful, has powerful antioxidants in them, polyphenols, um, that have been found to, again, reduce inflammation. Um, some studies have shown it can help support insulin resistance and can help with regulating cycles. So green tea is great. Spearmint, I would say, has been studied more than the peppermint yeah. tea. Um, spearmint can help lower androgens, right? So it can help lower testosterone. Um, and if we lower testosterone, we're going to help improve those symptoms that come along with it, right? Acne, facial hair, hair loss. So spearmint tea is great for that. The studies recommend about two to three cups a day. It's also great for bloating, great for digestion. Um, I love a cup of spearmint tea at night, and you can mix like robazitol in there and have that. Um, but yes, teas are wonderful. My other favorite is Tulsi tea. So Tulsi is also known as holy basil. It's an adaptogen which helps oh, yes. with managing cortisol levels. Yes, yeah. But it's a powerful anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antifungal. It helps support like respiratory function as well. And to be quite honest, when I'm drinking my Tulsi green tea regularly, that's where I get the most compliments with my skin. Oh, like really? 
glowing. Yes, yes. So it's great get for acne as well. Um, so that's Tulsi, green tea, spearmint tea are some of my favorites. Um, I love putting cinnamon into all of my teas. Cinnamon is another powerful spice that helps support blood sugar regulation and insulin resistance. So it's a great way to add flavor and get some benefit for your PCOS too. Yeah, my mom always is boiling um, like spice yeah. sticks, like cinnamon yeah. sticks in water. Um, yeah. It's good for, well, she doesn't have anything, but it's good for preventing and helping with managing like your blood sugar and yeah. diabetes and things like that. But yeah, I drink spearmint tea right now, so I have to get more, but I want to try the, I'll try the Tulsi um, holy basil because I know holy basil is good for managing stress, but I didn't know I had a lot of benefits like specifically for PCOS. So mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to try that and help me mix it with my spearmint yeah. tea. Um, someone asks, how can you naturally ovulate? Like what can help to naturally have ovulation? Right. And that's a great question because a lot of the times we're having regular cycles with PCOS is because we're either not ovulating, sometimes ovulating, right? So the whole name of the game is to get your body regularly ovulating, regularly releasing an egg, having a natural cycle. So obviously all those pillars that I talked about can help support ovulation. But when it comes to nutrition, the best place to start is balancing blood sugars, right? And the reason why I say that, that's going to help hit all your root drivers that could be causing an ovulation. So making sure that we're eating some protein, eating some healthy fats, which our ovaries love, our hormones love, and some complex high fiber carbohydrates, making sure that plate is nicely balanced at each meal, making sure that we're not going long hours without eating. Long hours without eating can be perceived by the body as a form of stress, right? And we know that stress worsens PCOS, stress worsens our hormones, right? So making sure the body knows that another meal is coming. Um, the other thing is adding more anti-inflammatory foods to our diet. And we do that through adding more like fatty fish, salmon, tuna, my favorite are sardines, love those, um, mackerel, right? Adding those into the mix as well as tons of fruits, tons of vegetables, um, where we get a lot of antioxidants, a lot of those micronutrients that are needed to support ovulation, and making sure you're eating enough protein. Um, that's yeah. very important for hormones and regulating ovulation. So I think that's a good place to start. And outside of nutrition, I would say sleep. If you are not sleeping, sleeping less than six hours a night or waking up in the middle of the night, that's a really important place to start um, because sleep is where our body kind of recreates these hormones and nutrients, where our body is able to restore its balance. So we definitely have to work on sleep when it comes to hormone health. That's a big one. Yeah, usually when I have clients and with PCOS and they talk about their sleep, I always try to address mm -hmm. the sleep first because totally. that's extremely important and like with everything when it comes to growth and repair of the body. And you had just mentioned that... Um, not eating or skipping meals can increase stress in the body. So can you talk about intermittent fasting for PCOS? Because I see a lot of girls on the internet. I know some people personally that do intermittent fasting for PCOS. And I try to explain to them mm -hmm. that you should not be skipping breakfast and skipping meals mm -hmm. um, for PCOS because it can do way more damage than good. So if you can explain a little bit about that. Of course. Of course. And one thing I'll say, like with, when it comes to nutrition, it's not a dogmatic kind of science, you know what I mean? Like yeah. this is the right way, this is the wrong way. It's very individualized. 
Um, but definitely what I see in practice, most people who are intermittent fasting, where they skip breakfast and maybe break their fast around 12, 1 o'clock, around there, they're struggling with kind of extreme cravings, extreme fatigue, digestive issues. You know, it's really not helping to support their PCOS symptoms. So when we go long hours without eating, that not only causes blood sugar dysregulation, so that can worsen the insulin resistance, but like I said, it is perceived as a form of stress in the body, so it can promote more of that inflammation too. So, and most of the studies when it comes to intermittent fasting are mostly done in men, yeah. right? Not women with PCOS. Yeah, that's, and that's what I've also. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there was um, one study done in PCOS or a couple studies done in PCOS with intermittent fasting, but they did it more alongside like circadian rhythm where you still had breakfast, still had lunch, but stopped eating around like four o'clock. And they did see some benefits with that. But again, you have to listen to your body. If yeah. you're skipping meals and you're feeling fatigued, you want to nap, your digestion is all messed up, you know, clearly that's not the best way of eating for you and your body. You want to be eating in a way where you have consistent energy, you're sleeping well, you're digesting well, your skin is beautiful, right? Like all of these things are what you're trying to achieve with a way of eating. So. Yeah, for sure. I agree with everything that you said. I just hate to see people put their bodies through so much stress to try to lose weight. It's like, oh my gosh, just eat, please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's like a really um a lot of mis like conception and mis thing like on the internet yeah. stuff, which can be very harmful. So mm -hmm. that's why it's good to work with the PCOS dietitian, yeah. so she can teach you how to eat for your PCOS. Yeah, and for for your unique body. Totally. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I want to see. Um, Someone said here, skipping Cali Ashton. Skipping meals definitely makes me faint more weight. I noticed that when I ate more and lost more oh yes. yeah eating yeah totally yeah no that makes sense because also eating helps with your metabolism when you're not eating as much you're slowing down your metabolism when pcos our metabolisms are already slowed down so <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. so i guess the last well second to last question i would ask is how to exercise your pcos i know everyone is different but yeah. Um, generally, should people with PCOS be focusing on more high intensity or low intensity workouts? Yeah. So you'll probably hate my answer, but it depends. Yeah. Right? <laughs> totally, totally depends. Depends on the person. I mean, at the end of the day, when it comes to movement, that is a very big pillar of PCOS. We should be moving our bodies joyfully every single day. And what that looks like is unique to the individual, right? Yeah. Some people love walking. I myself, I enjoy high intensity. I enjoy strength training. I enjoy running. And it, for me, it does not worsen my PCOS symptoms, right? But it's all about doing a workout that's not going to put more stress. So whatever yeah. you choose to do, if you notice that you do that workout and you're feeling exhausted and sore for two, three days, that's a problem. That was probably too much for your body. Um, so it's important to do things that, yes, you feel a little bit of muscle tension, a little muscle soreness the next day, um, but not to the point where you 
can't move. Um, and there are studies to show that HIT training, so high intensity interval training, can help support insulin resistance and PCOS. There's research to show that strength training can help that. There's research to show that yoga and restorative exercises can help, walking, right? So it's all about figuring out what's doable to you. And I'll be honest with you, Dakira, like if you told me, oh, Zumba is gonna help your PCOS, you need to do it, I would say, well, then I'm just gonna live with PCOS. I don't, it's not my thing, right? Like, so you have to find you enjoy, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I've noticed, like, for me, at least, I most enjoy, like, strength training. So doing, like, chest and shoulder workouts, back and biceps, yeah. um, legs. Also mm -hmm. doing, like, yoga and Pilates. Like, I did a yoga class this morning. And also, I, I've started incorporating, like, daily 30-minute walks, yeah. which helps me to feel good. And that can definitely um, help with insulin resistance and losing weight and things like that. So don't underestimate walking guys. Walking no. can make a huge difference and it's very like low maintenance, but I agree with you that everyone's body is different and mm -hmm. some people can tolerate the high intensity, some mm -hmm. can tolerate the low intensity and oh. it just depends, I guess also. Yeah. Yeah. Combination of both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also I guess depends on like where you're at in your cycle. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think that can, help as well. Mm -hmm. um, so the last thing I would say, even though you mm -hmm. did basically talk about this the whole entire time, but you can just end with a few general tips and how people can find mm -hmm. you and how people can work with you. Yeah, definitely. Oh, and then Callie asked. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> she was like, uh, I love a walk after I eat. Yes, that's great for insulin resistance. That can help bring down the blood sugars after eating 10, 15 minutes of walking within like 30 minutes of eating is where we see the best benefit. So that's great. Um, and then she also asked, how do you feel about plant-based for PCOS? So plant-based can be defined differently for so many different people. Um, sometimes people think plant-based is vegan. Sometimes people think plant-based is vegetarian, right? But either way, getting more plants in your diet, more vegetables on your plate, more color on your plate will benefit PCOS. Yeah. Why? You're getting more fiber to help with blood sugar regulation. You're getting more micronutrients to help replenish what you might be deficient in. And you're getting more of those anti-inflammatory antioxidants. So totally fine to eat more plants. That's that's okay. Yeah. Um, but oh, how can you get rid of the moon face? Um, so that's more like inflammation if you're having swelling or sometimes waking. Um, so like we said, blood sugar balance, um, exercise, all of those pillars that we that we touched on. So if I had to give some tips, some quick tips to start doing right now to help support your PCOS, one, have breakfast, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wake up. <laughs> First hour of waking up, have breakfast. Make sure it's rich in protein. Make sure there's some fiber. So that can look very different. Maybe you have a couple boiled eggs, like three boiled eggs. Maybe you have uh, apples, some berries, and you throw some walnuts and almonds on the side, right? It doesn't have to be a big elaborate meal in order for it to be balanced for your PCOS. Maybe you throw together a smoothie, you throw some protein powder, you put some flax and chia in there, you throw some greens, some fruit, right? Blend it all up. And now you've got a balanced protein smoothie that you could have for, um, breakfast right and yeah. don't go more than like four to six hours without eating 
don't start breakfast and then you're working and then next thing you know it's dinner yeah. time right that's so make sure we're eating regularly throughout the day focus secondly on that balanced plate right protein fat tons of fiber and color um, and then also movement very important um, but like to your point to sleep right yeah start there that's the most important piece of this puzzle and then just start building one habit at a time and just know that you do not have to be perfect in all areas at all times to reach some healing and improve your symptoms. You don't have to put all your energy into every single thing. If this week, all you can focus on is getting a good balanced breakfast, do that and start building building from there. Yeah. Um, so keep it small, keep it simple. Yeah, yeah those are awesome, very good tips, especially with the eating breakfast, making sure you're getting enough protein, getting some good quality sleep, um, so yeah, those are, I think those are very good general tips that you can help start today or tomorrow in combating your PCOS. And of course, also working with her, uh, as she's a PCOS dietitian yeah. and, um, yeah. oh, there's actually another question. Sorry. I didn't see. She said, what if you're losing weight, but your period isn't coming back and you're a teenager? Is it concerning? So, yeah. So I will say this weight loss doesn't mean that you're improving your hormones. Right. So I would say at that point, make sure that you're seeing your doctor, getting your blood work checked to see what's causing those irregular cycles. Is it insulin resistance? Is it high androgens? Um, are you struggling with high estrogen or estrogen dominance? Right. So it's important to get to the root cause in order to find that path to healing. Um, and like I said, just because you're losing weight doesn't mean that your hormones might be improving. Yeah. So, and there's different things that we can be losing when we lose weight. There's fat, there's muscle. Um, when it comes to insulin resistance, we need good quality muscle. Muscle is like a sponge. It helps to soak up the blood sugar, right? And help regulate it. Whereas more fat on the body, right? If we're losing muscle and not losing body fat, that may not worsen, um, sorry, may worsen the hormones. Yeah. Okay. And then she has one more question. She said, should a teenager be worrying about their weight right now? I hear different opinions online. Yeah. I mean, even as adults, like, I don't think anyone should be stressing about the number on the scale. Yeah. It's more about... I agree. Yeah. The habits that we're forming, our nutrition, what are we putting in our body? How are we managing our stress? How are we sleeping? How are we digesting? Those have more of an implication on your overall health and hormone health than the number on the scale. It yeah. really doesn't tell you anything. And I will say about that, I made a video about that actually, about um, working about the number on the scale. Mm -hmm. Because at least for me, um, I currently weigh around like 180, 185. Mm -hmm. And um, I, what was I going to say? Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. So I started being like very serious in the mm -hmm. gym. Um, I want to say back in like January, March, around there. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that like I gained a lot of muscle but my number on the scale is still the same. But at the same time, my clothes have been fitting looser. Right. So it's not about the number on the scale, like she said. It's mainly about how you feel, whether you're gaining muscle or not, and like if your clothes are fitting looser and if you feel better about yourself. So right. don't get too caught up on the scale number because sometimes scales are inaccurate, they're not calibrated, or they're just not a true reflection of your health, which they never are. Totally. And they're not really... Um, showing you if you're losing fat and um, building gaining muscle yeah 
Totally agree. Totally agree. And then the last comment I'll read is that um, Get Mo Life Now says, big thing for me was stopping drinking caffeine coffee daily, helped with adrenal fatigue and just general dehydration and inflammation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, like if you feel benefits and it's working for you, keep going. That's yeah. great. I love that. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, so how can people find you and work with you, Courtney? Yeah, yeah. So I am at PCOS.Nutritionist.Courtney. I'm most active on Instagram. You can head over to my page, give me a follow. You can send me a DM to say hey, um, ask me questions. I'm really engaged with my followers as well. Um, the link in my bio, if you would like to work with me, there's an application there. I'd love to chat with you more, um, but I work primarily with people to help naturally reverse those PCOS symptoms with nutrition and lifestyle. Okay, so, that's yeah. good. <laughs> okay, thank you so much, Courtney, for joining me today. Yay. Of course, you're welcome, and I hope you guys learned a lot because we talked about a lot. Um, there's going to be a recording uploaded after this, so you'll get to watch the replay yep. and take notes on your own time if you felt like you were um, had to write too fast or anything. So. Hope everyone has a good night. Courtney, thank you again. And make sure, guys, to follow her on Instagram. Okay. Bye, guys.